Gentlemen, y'all can go ahead and pass those, uh, those baskets along. And uh, as you move forward with this series, we're in the third week of it. And uh, this week of repeat. And repeat is one of those things I was honestly a little bit gun-shy of um, titling this series Repeat. Simply because it can have a, a negative connotation. It can have something like almost like a leftovers kind of thing. And so my, I don't mind leftovers. I like some good leftovers. But my wife does not like to eat the same thing two times in a row. And so if we have it and then so say, okay, we cooked out for lunch. Woo, dinner's covered. My wife says, no, it's not covered. Maybe lunch tomorrow is covered, but dinner's not. We're going to eat something different. And so in this connotation of repeat can have this feeling of, of possibly even nagging or, or just, just repetition. But there are also these things that, that are super beautiful about repetition. And we see it in our children. I love it when we have these little kids and, and, and uh, Colin and all my kids did this. Every kid will do this. They, they find something that they like. And they want to see it over and over and over again. They watch a little video, and then they're like immediately, uh, 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 if they cannot say the words again. They can say the words again, they're saying again, and they want to do it. When I was growing up, a lot of the stories that I tell of my grandparents, the reason I know those stories is because I had them tell them probably a hundred times growing up. I'd go spend the night at my Mimos, and I'd say, Mimo, tell me this story. Oh, Mimo, tell me that story. And there were stories I'd heard a hundred times, but I couldn't wait to hear them again. There's something that's beautiful about repetition when it's something we savor, and it's something that's life-giving. And that's what this series is about. This series is about these things that God has repeated, these things He said in the Old Testament, is repeated in the New Testament, and they are life-giving for us. In fact, repetition, we even see in Genesis when Joseph is interpreting the, the Pharaoh's dream. The Pharaoh has the dream. Remember the, 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 the grain dream and the cow dream where you got the big fat cows and then the little skinny cows come and eat them all up and then they're still skinny and, and the big nice corn and then the little skinny sad corns come and eat up the big corn and then it's, and the, and it's all gone and he's like, what's going on here? And, and, and Joseph in telling the Pharaoh, his dream, he says, God's repeated it because it's absolute. This is going to happen. It's the same dream, two different ways, but he's repeated it because of that. There are these things that God just does over and over again. I even love the, the Hebrew culture that there was this thing whenever somebody wanted to, uh, to um, communicate intimacy with someone. And we see it scripturally. That their name is repeated when you call them. And so we see with, when God is speaking to Abraham to stop him in the act. When he was going to walk in obedience to kill his son. Then, and he stops him and he says, Abraham, Abraham. And it communicates, it communicates this intimacy. He does it again with Jacob. Whenever Jacob is being encouraged to take his trip to see Joseph in Egypt. And God says, Jacob, Jacob. And then when he calls to Moses at the burning bush, he says, Moses, Moses. And, and even David, when his son Absalom dies and he's in anguish, he's like, Absalom, Absalom. And Jesus, whenever he's praying over Jerusalem, he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He does it over and over. He says it to Peter. He says it to Martha. He says it to Mary. It it's communicates this, this intimacy. 
And so here in this Hebrew culture, we see this repetition is something that is sure. And it's also this, this, this thing of intimacy. So we're going to look at, at the scripture today. And this is one that my concern as a pastor is this is one that you can do one of two things with. You can either punch out two directions. Go, okay, I've got this one covered. All right. And kind of p- mentally punch out. Or um, this doesn't apply to me because mine were jerks and I don't have to do this. Um, and so, um, so that you can go in either direction with this. And I encourage you to walk through this with me. But the this scripture that has been repeated actually six times in the New Testament is this one. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and mother. Our first one we looked at is love God. Yeah, that makes sense. That one gets repeated, sure. Next one we looked at was love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, that makes sense that that one gets repeated. But honor your father and mother. Why is that one such a big deal to God? Well, first, let's just look at what honor means. Honor means to give weight to or to give value to. Some things are easy to give value to because they have intrinsic value. Okay? If I sit here and I throw a a penny on the ground, we may not have anybody wanting to come up here and, and help Roll up the cords at the ends. They can pick up that penny and stick it in their pocket. If I throw a $100 bill over here, we may have plenty of volunteers coming and helping us roll up cords. So, woo, there we go. And because uh, there's this intrinsic value. It's got, it represents all these different things that a $100 bill buy. But then there's other things that we ascribe value to. And when it comes to people, they have intrinsic value to God. But you and I, We don't roll that way so good. We tend to ascribe value. There are people in our minds that are real valuable, and there are people in our minds that are just almost worthless in our culture. And we have to understand that if we're good to honor, we have to ascribe value. There are even things that we'll ascribe value to that that are seemingly, seemingly silly. Like they're a big deal, like a little kid's ratty old teddy bear. That he's had all his life, and if he loses it, it's like the end of the world, and everybody else would take it and put it in the trash. My wife actually has this thing. It's her, her pillow. Her sleeping, yes, her sleeping pillow. And it's a pillow that when the bed is made, this pillow is not on the bed. It's tucked in the closet because it's not pretty. And so you got the pretty pillows that are on the bed and all of this stuff in this pillow that's actually, when it comes down to using a pillow, this is the one that gets used. And we go on trips, and it's got this pillowcase on it that has been washed a kajillion times. And it's obviously broken to just fit her neck and everything just right and give her her little princess sleep. And, um, but the ends of it are all frayed. And we go out of town, she wants to take this pillow. So there have been multiple times we were like walking in like a four-star hotel. And I've got this ratty old pillow. You know, and then the guy with the little bellhop guy with the little cart, and he's unloading the car, and then he kind of does that. But I guarantee you, it's not dirty. It is just well used. It is loved. It is her pillow. She can't sleep without that pillow. And I guarantee you, if we, 
if we lost that pillow, she'd pay 100 bucks to find that pillow again. It could be replaced for a lot less than that. But that pillow, she sleeps good. She's ascribed the value to it. There are things that it's important to her. There's this, there's this place of meaning that maybe nobody else on the planet has that. But it has that there, this thing. This is what I'm talking about is for us that there are different things. She's like, well, some, honestly, I've got it real easy in this area. My parents made it super easy for me to honor my parents. My parents were great parents. You hear me brag on them all the time. They raised me up to love God. They love each other. It's just I had, I had it real easy. But I know that not all of you have. Not all of you sitting in this room have had model parents. Parents that encouraged you and lifted you up and that were easy to honor. That maybe on the outside, other people would have a hard time honoring them. But yet, when it comes to you, this scripture applies to everyone. Not just to honor the parents that are honor worthy. But this is to honor our parents. How do we do this? How do we live this part out? How do we do this? We see honor being ascribed that God honored Jesus. 2 Peter 1.17 says, For we received, for he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came <coughs> to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. That is part of ascribing honor. I identify with you. I love you. I'm pleased with you. We all understand honor on those levels. But, man, sometimes those places... With our family, it's difficult. Sometimes we don't want to be identified with them. Sometimes we have a hard time loving them, and sometimes we're not pleased at all with them. So how do we begin to live this out? Because I want you to understand that even in Jesus' day with good parents, we have to understand there's a bigger principle at work here. Because even in Jesus' day, this principle, this truth in where this as a part of the Ten Commandments was embraced the most, this is the one that, that Jesus pointed out that their culture tried to nullify. All of the different things, they didn't try to nullify it, and they tried to nullify this one. And it's because this one, honestly, when we begin to look at it, is a really, really big deal to how we are wired. Let's look at how Jesus is called. We see it in our culture that you watch a sitcom and the dad's the idiot over and over again. The dad's the idiot. We see that it was overly done, stereotype, father knows best. So we've whipsawed to the other, like dad couldn't do anything wrong. Well, now he does everything wrong. And, we have, and we, we, we've taken all the honor out of those different places. But even in a religious culture that loved the Ten Commandments and loved all these different things, it was attacked. Let's look at Matthew 15. It says, Then some Pharisees and the teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders and they don't wash their hands before they eat? Ooh, gross, how nasty. Jesus replied, And why do you break, break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and your mother and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. Yikes! But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, 
whatever help you might have received otherwise from me is a gift devoted to God. And then he is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, and their teachings are but rules taught by men. And this is one that he confronts them over, of them honor. And what they were doing, in case that part didn't make sense, what basically they were saying is, is normally their Hebrew families were tight, and they would take care of their own. So we didn't have this thing where somebody gets put out to pasture or stuck on an ice floe to die or any of that kind of stuff in the Hebrew culture. They stayed within the home. They played a vital role. But that became, at some point, when grandma and grandpa weren't wage earners anymore, that became a drain on the family resources. And they were said that what you could do is say that, you know what, all of this that mom and dad that we were going to give to you, we're going to give over here to God. And we're not going to give it to you. And now we've given it to something higher. And now we don't have to honor you anymore. And we can kick you to the curb because we're not doing that. We're just we're honoring God. And they allowed it. They allowed them to disconnect in their responsibilities and the normal flow of life in the name of honoring God. And Jesus said, that's repulsive. That is just wrong. That is messed up. You do this thing in the name of God and you don't, even, you don't honor this thing. Why would they attack that one? Why would they attack that one? They're not attacking the adultery one. They're not attacking the, the stealing or any of the other ones. They're attacking the honor. Honor your parents one. We see this one covered in all of the synoptic Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all tell this story. Jesus had a ton of interactions with people, and all of them tell this story. We're going to get them into it. But we're going to first look at the challenge of dealing with parents that maybe are hard to honor. Because the Bible shows us. Because sometimes we think, and I want us to make sure this is covered, that our choice to honor is not determined by whether or not our parents act honorably. This isn't determined. Will you act honorable? And I'll honor you. You be dishonorable? And I won't. It's a little give and take. That makes sense in our world, but that's not the way it is. And let's look at Genesis 9. We've got Noah. And I am so glad that this scene does not make it on to nursery walls. Okay, we're going to get into this in a minute. We've got the story of Noah. And we don't want this one in any kids' books. We don't want this on any nursery scene, okay? Because we have Noah who obeys God, builds the ark, has the deal. His family saved. They, they get through it. They land in verse 17. We're about to pick up in verse 20 of this. In verse 17, he gets the sign of the rainbow as a promise from God. And then we pick up in verse 20. Here's Noah. Noah, a man of the soil proceeded to plant a vineyard. This is post the flood. And he says to get back to work. And when he had drank some of its wine, he became drunk. And he lay uncovered in his tent. At least he did this at home. Okay? But here is Noah. This is, and the Bible puts him in the hall of faith. Our New, our New Testament talks about how awesome he is. 
But folks, this is the final story. We read this, whoop, Bible quits talking about Noah. This is like the last little, oh yeah, this happens with Noah. This is his last thing. It's like, he's bound to be going, seriously, God, you couldn't have told us something else? This is how I go out? But he's, he's naked drunk. He is passed out naked drunk. Okay? This is Noah. This is why we don't want this in the little, in the little kid books. Mama, what? No. <laughs> um, Ham, and he has three boys. Remember, three boys were on the boat with him. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father's nakedness and told his two brothers outside. Goes in to check on dad next morning. Maybe they're going to have brunch. I don't know. Goes in, and there's dad passed out naked drunk. Still out cold. And he goes out and begins to chat up his brothers about this. And so his brothers, but Shem and Japheth, took a garment and they laid it across their shoulders and they walked in backwards and covered their father's nakedness. So they go in and they get a blanket and they team up, one here, one there. They put it across their shoulders so they make a nice little wall and then they go in backwards so they don't gaze on their father's mistake and make a big deal about it and then they slough it off and cover him up and go out and let him wake up and somebody's covered him up and he wakes up and they covered their father's nakedness and then Noah awoke from his wine and found out that his youngest what his youngest son had done to him and he said cursed be Canaan the lowest of slaves Will he be to his brothers? He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slaves of Shem. And may God extend the territory of Japheth. May Japheth live in the, in the tents of Shem. And may Canaan be his slave. Go on and we, oh, we find that, that he, had, he, had, he had made light of this. He had made fun of his dad. He had dishonored his dad. Now, did his dad done something honorable? I think most of us would agree that being passed out naked drunk is not honorable. That we would feel like maybe we could make fun of our parent for that. Maybe we could say that this is an, this is an issue with dad. Maybe we could do that. But biblically, are the responsibility for us with our parents... It doesn't say honor every parent that ever lives. But for you with your parents, it's for us to do in this place of honor. And I believe that it is so important and this is so ingrained in us. Because the first two that we talked about, loving God and loving others, is so important. And our families are our first neighbors. Your parents are the Warts and all, imperfections, the good, the bad, all of it. They are your first neighbors. They're people that God, that in God's ultimate plan, whether they've come to know God or not, in God's ultimate heart, He wants them to know Him and to, to be with you and Him and everyone else in all creation for eternity. For you all to be brothers and sisters in Christ. That is His desire. And if we are to love our neighbors as ourselves or you go to the next level and love others as Christ has loved them, then we must love our parents as Christ loves them. 
Now, does that mean that we say everything that they've ever done is okay? No. The other two boys didn't say it was okay. They went to extreme measures to handle it. Cover dad up. This is jacked up. But they didn't do it in a dishonoring way. They, they honored him in dealing with the situation. There is a place. There is a place where you can act in an honorable way when parents are dishonorable. There is a place. We can do it. Matthew 19, 16 through 19 says, Now a man came to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you ask me about what's good? Jesus replied, There is only one who's good. If you want to enter eternal life, obey the commandments. Which ones? Notice he doesn't go in order. If you know the, the Ten Commandments order, this is not the order. Jesus replied, don't murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Boom, boom, boom. And then he pulls in, honor your father and mother. And couples it with love your neighbor as yourself. Pulls it completely out of order. Puts it at the end and sticks it with love your neighbor as yourself. These two go hand in hand. We learn to stick through relationships, to not give up on people, to keep value in people in our, with our very first relationships that has to be lived out there. If it can't be lived out there, people, it can't be lived out anywhere. It's just the truth. Mark 19, Mark 10 covers the same thing. Mark 18 covers the same thing. And that our family, family is the foundation for our society, for any society. And we begin to erode the basic thing of we are going to hold value in people. And we begin to erode it on the family level. It is gone from society. It's gone. That's why God says it over and over again. That we're not going to be able to exercise a thing of loving him and loving others if we don't have a place where we feel this strong connection to family. We just can't. Choosing to honor our very first relationships sets a pattern of us working through issues and keeping relationships. Celebration Church isn't a very old church. None of us were raised in this church, not even my kids. We all came from somewhere. Hopefully, our heart is that you hadn't been disconnected from God for a long time and we connected with you. But likelihood, and we understand it and know it, that maybe you had been part of a church before and had been treated not very well and had been disconnected. And I understand there's no reason to stay in a place of abuse. I understand that. That's an honor and, 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 and putting up with abuse are not the same thing. Okay, It's not the same thing. But it's the same things begin to dissolve relationships. Otherwise, if we don't keep this, we will develop a pattern of disposable relationships. And folks, as we look at culture, as our society has begun to say that, you know what? You don't have to keep relationships healthy with family anymore. Just find new family. Your friends are your family. Your peer group is your family. All these, your, your, your guys that's around your hobby, that's your new family. These are my real brothers. 
And I understand that and I get it and we're connected. We call ourselves the family of God and connected. I get that. But we have to honor. It's new covenant. It shows up over and over again. Here is, here is Paul writing to the Ephesians in chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right honor. Your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. People, the only way that things are going to go well for us as a people, as a culture, and that we're going to be able to stay together long term is if we were this place of honoring our family. That's the only way. As soon as we cut those things and it doesn't matter, things begin to dissolve and there's no real connections at all anymore. As soon as my feelings are hurt, I'm out of here. As soon as I don't like this, I'm out of here. You did something stupid, I don't have to honor you, I'm out of here. And all of a sudden we become these isolated people that stick to each other as long as things are cool. And as soon as things aren't cool, we're out of here. And we cannot grow as people. We cannot be connected with each other for long periods of time. We cannot stick and grow as a church if this isn't here. We can't do it. Even psychiatrists in the world that have, don't take the Bible into account at all. You go in and you have an appointment with a psychiatrist and at some point they're going to talk to you about your relationship with your parents. Tell me about your mother. Tell me about your father. Tell me how those things go. They play a role. It's huge in our response and how those different things. And moms and dads, I don't want to beat us up today. This isn't a message to that. But let's, let's recognize the rest of this scripture. And this is what helps things. It says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Let's understand that this isn't an easy thing to do. That honoring your father and mother isn't an easy thing to do when they don't act honorably. We still have a responsibility to do it. But as fathers and mothers, let's make it as easy on our kids as possible. Let's go out of our way to do these things and help. Because I tell you what, this, it just plays such a huge role. Such a huge role. See, just like the highway signs get repeated every few miles to keep us moving forward, God has repeated His timeless truth to move our lives forward in Him. If you look at the Ten Commandments, you've got the first commandments that deal with God. You've got the last commandments that deal with us dealing with man. Have no other God before me. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. You have don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't covet all of these. You know which one sandwiches them? The transitional one. Honor your father and your mother. We can't really. Because remember, to love God best is loving those he loves. And he loves people. And we can't really embrace a heart that can love everybody on every front if we haven't cultivated a place of honor for those that God's already connected us with. This really is a big deal. It really is. 
and as New Testament believers, God is wanting to bring restoration. And I know for some of you, this is a hard message to hear. Some of you sitting in this room, statistics just say it. But there are people here that have been horribly abused by their parents. Some of them violently abused. Some of them atrociously abused. My, my, my heart goes out to you. Does that mean that you, you have to all of a sudden, everything's hunky-dory cool, that's what honoring your father and mother is? Nope. That's not what that means. But it means allow God to begin to build a place where there is a value there again. That if nothing else, you see them like you see this, the most distant neighbor on the planet. And we can love them that way. God says to love our neighbors as ourselves. Say, God, help me to see this person and honor them and give value like you give value. I'm telling you, it will bring revolution to your life if you let God bring restoration on that front. It really will. It'll change every other relationship. It'll change everything. And I know it's not easy, but it will change everything. And as your pastor, I want that for you. I so want it for you. I want to pray for us right now. I know this is a little bit heavy. Honoring your father and mother should be a good thing. It is for me. It's easy for me. But I want to pray for you. Father, 